What we say is walk away is a journey, not a destination. And what we mean by that is this is your own journey of exploration. We want people to think for themselves, do their own homework, do their own research, look for the, the truth between the lies of the left-wing media. We're here to provide a community of support for people as they leave the left. Where they go is up to any person, and we're going to support whatever decision they make. If they want to be an independent, a libertarian, a Republican, if they love Trump, if they don't love Trump, we don't really care. But one thing we do say is that if you are the Republican Party or if you are, say, the Trump campaign or, or whatever, it would be a great idea to connect with our organization because we've got thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are, are, are ripe for people going in there and saying like, hey, what a great choice you made to walk away. Here's why we would love to have you on our team. You know, a lot of people do find their way to the Republican Party or Trump, but it's it's not mandated by our organization. And that freedom is why we've been successful at getting people to leave. All right, folks, happy Friday. We're right now getting ready to kick off the Christmas weekend. I'm excited to uh, to give you a little uh, conversation with Brendan Straka. He founded the walkaway movement. He was a big liberal protesting and supporting left-wing causes and now finds himself transitioned all the way to somebody who is supporting President Trump and the right-leaning movements. I'm going to talk to him about how he did it, how uh, what it meant to him, and so much more. Let's get into it with Brandon Straka. Brandon, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. You bet. So, you know, it's interesting when you talk about the walkaway campaign and, and your effort, you describe yourself as a former liberal. Were you the kind of person that was just a, a liberal by default, meaning that you kind of went about your daily business or were you active in politics, engaged in the community, that kind of stuff? So I would describe myself as a liberal who was really involved in social issues. I didn't really follow a lot along the you know geopolitical landscape, things like that, but I was very concerned about racial justice. I was very concerned about gay rights issues, things like that. And so those were the things that really caused me to gravitate toward Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, things like that. So I wouldn't say that I was apolitical, but I would say that the, the, the majority of my political interests were social causes. And when you say interest, were these things that you marched for or posted about, or was it just that you believed them? No, I definitely marched for, protested for, joined groups, was involved in things, donated, et cetera. So it was, it, it, these social issues were pretty important to me. Okay. So I want to kind of walk through this systematically because the walkaway movement seems like the manifestation of where you got to, but let's start with you as an individual. What was it that sort of made you question all of these causes that you supported? Well, it started... It, it gradually happened over the course of years. I would say probably around 2014, 2015, maybe even a little bit before. What I started to notice within liberal camps was the this sort of adopting of new language. Suddenly we were talking all the time about privilege and victimhood and hierarchies and white privilege and male privilege and all these different things. And it never really sat right with me. At first it was a little bit weird because I didn't question my fellow liberals that much. And there's always kind of a, a cause du jour. And so when they started saying these things at first, I didn't question it that much. I was sort of like, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe there is a, a male privilege hierarchy or a, a racial privilege hierarchy, but then it started to become, people were really beating people over the head with this. And then 
it actually started to affect me. And, you know, most people know I'm a gay man. I, I've always supported gay rights issues, gay marriage, things like that. But I started to even within the gay community hear people, you know, women were saying we're talking about gay male privilege or trans people were talking about gay male privilege. And I'm like, what are we talking about? I mean, literally just years ago, you know, we were fighting for for marriage rights and things like these things are just now starting to change. But all of a sudden I'm becoming almost an enemy within my own community. And I always say, too, I became a liberal because I am against racism. I'm against sexism. I believe in equality for all people. But I was starting to hear liberals adopt these talking points that were the opposite of what I believed in, talking about how, you know, basically the answer to inequality for women was to be against men or, right. you know, in order to lift up the black community, we've got to beat the white community over the head. And I was like, that, that's still racism and <laughs> hating men is still sexism. I'm not for any of these things. All right, guys, most of us know what it's like to be without power, sometimes for an hour, maybe a day, a couple days after a natural disaster, a hurricane, a windstorm, you know, whatever. But now national security experts are warning that our power grid is more vulnerable than ever. And they've identified nine key substations, which if attacked, they're saying we could lose power for months, months. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. So I recommend the Patriot Power Generator, which is a solar generator that you don't have to install in your house. It's portable. You can take it with you. You can use it inside your house. And it's powerful enough that if power goes out, we're talking your phones, your tablets, your computers, medical devices, even your refrigerator gets power. So if you go to fourpatriots.com and use code SPICER, you get 10% off your first purchase. It's fourpatriots.com, includes that Patriot power generator. You'll get a uh, that guarantee for a year, free shipping if it's over 97 bucks, and a portion of every sale is donated to charities that support veterans, right? That's great. So go to fourpatriots.com, use code SPICER, for Patriots.com, you do not want to be without power in case something happens. These causes, I mean, you mentioned sexism, racism. I don't think that's an ideology or a party owns those, right? I mean, I'm a fairly strong conservative. I'm, I'm against racism. I'm against sexism. Um, but it's interesting because the left has really changed, has now, in an effort to eradicate that to which they claim to hate, they've actually engaged in that behavior, right? So it's, exactly. they've, they've sort of said, okay, well, to put an end to racism, we have to hate white people. To put an end to sexism, we have to hate uh, men. To hate, to advance LGBTQ rights, we have to hate straight people. Um, and, and discriminate and, against them. Right, and, and discriminate. discriminate. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so where, so was there, so I, I'm still trying to get, I get the issues that eat away at you. Is there a, is there a light bulb that goes on one day and you go, you know, I, I don't think that I'm I'm part of this anymore and I feel more comfortable on the other side. Right. So I was feeling pushed away by some of those things and how I felt like the ideology was changing. But everything went into fast forward in 2015, 2016, when Trump decided to run for office and ultimately got elected. So when, you know, in 2015, when he announced he was running, I thought it was a joke. You know, and I, 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 a lot of people on the left, I think even a lot of people on the right kind of laughed it off and was like, okay, yeah, the, the, the real estate guy from The Apprentice is going to run for office. Sure. And then all of a sudden, you know, there was this huge groundswell of support and this thing emerging that we call the MAGA movement, which we now kind of call the America first movement and this rise in populism. And it became really clear 
that this wasn't really a joke. Um, you know, something was happening in this country and and people were were getting behind it. And immediately at that point, the media that I trusted, sources like CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, et cetera, I think had to kind of conjure up a plan of how they were going to take this guy out. And I believe that they asked themselves, you know, what triggers our base more than anything? Social injustice. We have to make this guy the most racist, bigoted, homophobic, Islamophobic, transphobic person who's ever existed, ever run for president. And that's what they did. And I bought into it like most people on the left, hook, line and sinker. And this very pivotal moment for me that I'll never forget was, I think 20, I don't remember if it was 2015 or 16, but I just remember being on the treadmill at the gym watching CNN when all of a sudden CNN flashes an image on the screen that says Donald Trump mocks disabled reporter. And I thought for sure that was going to be the end of his his run. I thought it was the most disgusting thing I'd ever heard of that any person who would want to sit in the the, the highest office in, in America could possibly do. And it seemed to have no impact on his support. And I couldn't understand it. Um, but at the end, I still wasn't like, you know, super freaked out about it because the same media kept telling me, well, he's got like a 3% chance of winning and Hillary Clinton's <laughs> going to win in a landslide. So when he ended up winning the election, that's when I completely had a breakdown, you know, and cut to those images of the people screaming, no, you know, that was me. Really? And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I recently did a, um, a, 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 a speech on stage where I kind of did a presentation of my journey from the left. And I showed for the first time people videos of myself the day after the 2016 election. I was literally on Facebook crying over Donald Trump getting elected and I was scared to death. Pulled over, I found out that he won and I, I didn't sleep the rest of the night. And um, I had to cancel my day today because I, I just like, I literally, I can barely function right now. And I, I certainly, I couldn't take clients. And I don't know, I, 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 I <sighs> <laughs> and, and, and then that's why ultimately about two months after the election, I went on Facebook and I said, you know, I'll never be able to understand how you people could possibly vote for a man who's capable of mocking a reporter's disability. And that's when somebody, a staunch Christian conservative who um, used to babysit me when I was a kid named Diane reached out to me privately and she sent me a link to a YouTube video entitled Debunking That Trump Mocked a Disabled Reporter, which probably a lot of people have seen, but essentially it's a compilation of footage showing Donald Trump in numerous circumstances throughout the years, even before he ran for president, doing that exact same voice and that exact same gesture yeah. as he did that day at that rally. Any he, Something he does anytime he's imitating anybody who's flailing because they're caught in a lie. And it showed very definitively that he didn't actually mock that reporter's disability and that the media that I'd been trusting lied to me. And that's when the light bulb started to go on. And I went on a journey of research that led to me walking away from the left. You know, it's funny. Uh, this is apropos of nothing, but since you brought this up, there's this liberal professor. I've got the book. In fact, I, I got to reach out to the guy. And he goes through and he says at the beginning, I voted for Bernie Sanders. Uh, I'm no Trump fan. I'm no Trump supporter, but I am a professor of media. And I felt it was my duty to go through each of these instances, that one included. And he says, the left told you and the media told you that this is what it was, exactly what you just described. But here are the circumstances. And he writes instance by instance and goes through and debunks it. And again, he's very clear. I don't like this guy. I didn't vote for him. I'm a Sanders liberal socialist. But 
it's funny because the people and I, I this 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 latest iteration where it's like he wants to be a dictator. I was watching Jonathan Carl on ABC the other day, and it's like Trump has made it clear he's stated unequivocally that he wants to be a dictator. And it's like, no, it, we all know, like watch the clip on Hannity. He was laughing when he said it. He's like, I want to do it for one day. It was I felt it was like very apropos when he said just Rosie O'Donnell, and it was sort of. <laughs> Um, you know, he was like, just cause I want to build a wall. He wasn't like, and even Hannity says afterwards, like, that's not what a dictator does. Like you could still build the wall, but he was trying to, you know, use the moment and, and be funny and whatever. But I was like, these guys in the media just wanted their clicks so they could say, see, he said he was going to be a dictator. And if you don't watch the whole thing in context, you walk away and, and that it's so true An issue after issue, instance after instance. Um, these guys in the media lie to perpetuate a media to go after him. Same thing on the race stuff with Trump. You go back and you look at the number of people who praised him, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, all this stuff prior to him running. He had a great relationship with the black community. Uh, and yet they don't want you to do that. Same thing with the Jewish community. You look at the Jew the agenda that he had towards Israel as a president, the fact that his daughter's Jewish. I mean, none of that gets in the way of this narrative about how bad he is if the left wants to perpetuate it. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And I mean, I was a huge fan of The Apprentice. For I, I never missed it on Thursday nights. I would run yeah. home. I'd be so excited to watch The Apprentice. And then the moment that CNN told me that he was a bigot, it was just like, it's like my brain just stopped working. And But the, I, I mean, ultimately, I think what the problem is, is that people aren't getting that the media is not a trusted institution right. anymore. I, you know, and that's, well, I mean, a lot of people are getting it, but people on the left are not getting it. And they see them as a trustworthy uh, authority figure, and they are not. And they are taking advantage, I think, particularly of minority communities, which was a huge reason why I started Walk Away and did what I did, because it bothered me so greatly to realize that we actually really don't need to be divided in this country by race, by sexual orientation, by whatever. This is entirely a, a construct of the left wing to control people's thinking, to control people's feeling, and ultimately the way that they vote. And that's why they're lying time and time and time again to keep controlling people. And I find it to be really outrageous. The key word there, and this is where I think the audience needs to understand entirely what you just said. It's all about control. These guys want to control the narrative. They want you to believe certain things, hate certain people, like certain ideologies, not like that. It's all about control. And it's, it's, right. it's funny as somebody who's been in the business that I have in terms of PR, when you go pitch a story, it's amazing what they'll take and what they won't, right? So what they deem as news or newsworthy is is because they don't want certain stories to get out or certain ideas or certain images, right? You look at what's going on with Joe Biden, the same thing. When you have somebody, think about it. Every time a Republican goes on a Sunday show, they ask him, if he's convicted uh, of the following, will you vote for him? They'll never ask a Democrat, if Joe Biden's impeached, will you still support him? If Joe Biden has uh, additional cognitive failures, will you support him? They won't ever bring that up because they don't want to chip away at, at what they want to control and have you believe, which is that Joe Biden is actually completely in control. He's got a great agenda. They're looking to preserve that. They hide it. Um, they hide his fumbles, his gaffes, his statements, his contradictions, his hypocrisy, uh, his past failures, because that's not the narrative they want to perpetuate. And similarly, they will blow up anything that's on the right or with Trump because it 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 allows them to maintain what they want to maintain and prohibit what they want you to be prohibited from. 
and they'll blatantly create it if even if it doesn't right. exist. But like, it's amazing to me that there even are people on the left at this point who are still unable to see it because if two glaring examples were the Trump CNN town hall and most recently the Vivek Ramaswamy CNN town hall. I mean, the moment they step into territory where they start correcting the left-wing narratives, the lies uh, that the left-wing has been putting out, those town hall hosts will just talk over them. Right. Over and over again. Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, I have to stop you, Mr. Trump. I have to stop you, Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump, I'm not going to let you lie. Mr. Trump, I'm not going <laughs> to let you come on CNN. Like, we're not going to let you get... And it's like, you should want him to be lying. If you actually believe he's lying, let him talk. Let him expose himself as a huge liar to your audience. You're the one trying to shield your audience from getting the truth. You're right. the liar. And it's yeah. so blatantly obvious. All right, folks. Uh, we've probably all spent a ton of money this Christmas holiday season on gifts for folks. As you make a New Year's resolution, think about your financial future, diversifying your investments. Uh, I do as well. I've thought about it. I put money in Bishop Gold. They are a a group that I have gotten to know. I've talked to them about my financial situation, how precious metals can be part of it. Uh, I trust them. I've gotten to know them. Integrity is a part and a way of doing business for Bishop Gold Group. Uh, and I would recommend that you sit down and talk to them. Whether it's an IRA that you're looking to roll over, uh, a, a diversification of all your accounts, precious metals can be part of that. And when I did it, I got on the phone with them. I explained my situation, what I'm looking to do. And they talked about, well, we'll do a little here. We'll do a little here. What's your timeline on this? It was a great conversation. And it was a way for me to think about my financial future and hopefully independence uh, going forward. So I suggest if you want, give them a call 844-984-1616 or go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean for a special promotion to start your journey uh, with precious metals to financial freedom. Again, bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean. Talk to them about your circumstances, your needs, and trust me, you won't regret it. I use them. I suggest you do as well. Bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean. I know that's, but I was funny because I watched the Vivek one and Abby Phillip, who is the moderator there, kept, Mr. Ramaswamy, please stop, please stop. We don't know how many. I think it's Mr. shameful, Ramaswamy, if, if I may finish just answering, well, let me this, just, is, this is really I, I'm gonna, important. Now. I'm going to go ahead and interrupt you here because, because you're I saying know this, that there the establishment were, doesn't approve of this you're message, saying I know that there this, were federal we should agents, be able to talk about this. You're saying that there were federal this is, agents This is important to talk about. You, know, you are saying important. there were federal agents in the pad on. And it was like, we don't want you to talk uh, because it's, it's all about them and their colleagues. Right. What I've realized is they have to show their colleagues. See, we didn't let that get out. We stopped it for you. And it's always that critique when you read some of these media columns afterwards. It's always like kudos to Abby Phillip for fact checking him in real time <laughs> for not allowing this. And it's like, well, wait, why did you do the town hall? Why do you ever? And, and like I said, the thing that's so interesting is it's never the other way. Right. I watched so many of these press conferences that the White House gives. And I think back to my time at the podium. They, it was real-time fact-checking. They were so proud of it. And yet, Corinne Jean-Pierre says things over and over again that are demonstrably false, misleading, untrue, and they just let it roll because we can't stop that because we, we don't want that to occur, right? She talks about Islamophobia when asked about the problem that many Jews were facing 
here domestically in our country after those Hamas terrorist attacks. She goes off into Islamophobia and no one really name checks her on that, right? It was unreal that she went into that territory. People of concern right now about the potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel. So a couple of things, um, look, um, uh, we have not seen uh, any credible uh, threats. I know there's been always questions about uh, credible threats. Uh, and so I uh, just want to make sure that that's out there. But look, uh, Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate-fueled attacks. That should have been career ending. And yet it was like, would you like a, a, a mulligan and try again? <laughs> Well, in this this administration, whether it's Karine Jean-Pierre or various other pundits for for Biden, they have this this phrase that they fall back on where they keep saying, we've been very clear. We've been and then they proceed to say something that's completely unclear. Well, you know, what's funny. I'm glad you brought that up. The best example these days has been the following. Every time they talk about the Republican impeachment. Right. What does it say? The Republicans are moving forward with this impeachment despite any evidence showing that Biden is linked, despite any proof of wrongdoing, right? It's immediately let's couch it. And yet they didn't say that when it was Trump and Russia, Trump and the and the 51 uh, intelligence agency heads signing that letter, right? They've never used that phrase when it comes to Donald Trump and any accusation on the right. So there's always an accusation that assumes that somehow he's guilty, right? But when it comes to Biden and the impeachment inquiry, it's, you know, Republicans are pursuing this despite any evidence, despite connecting the dots. Like they, they want to make it very clear to their audience whose side they're on. Well, and they seem to confuse the word evidence with proof. I, I think even Republicans would say, you know, let's let's put the evidence on the table and let's find what the answers are. Let's get to the proof. But to say we have no evidence when we have Correct. evidence of dozens of LLCs being created, money being transferred from one LLC to another LLC, family members receiving payments from that's evidence. Yes. It may not be proof. But it's evidence, right? If this was a if this was a uh, a police officer going in and laying it down for a case, they'd say, okay, to your point, we've got the LLC transactions, we've got the suspicious activity reports, we've got these payments that went from here to there, we've got this meeting that occurred, all of these things, we've got these emails, these transcripts, these witnesses. I mean, Tony Bobolinsky, etc. There are people there. Are given depositions about their relationship to Joe Biden. There's statements that Joe Biden made that contradict himself multiple times. And yet you're right. It's not, you can say that we can't convict or something, but you can't say there's not evidence and they do right. that. They do it all the time. I mean, it's it, this is a major problem that we have. And it, it, I would like to say, I mean, I think if you're, I always say, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So those of us who are on the right, I, I think we've gotten very used to this being common practice from the left-wing media. But unfortunately, I don't think that we can really say that, it, you know, we can just laugh this off or act like it's not a big deal. I, I've been saying a lot recently, you know, it's one thing to kind of hypnotize people with false narratives and lies to control their voting behaviors, but they're actually influencing jury pools now and, yeah. and, and, and influencing, uh, you know, prosecutors and, and things like that. This whole case with um, Donald Trump in Georgia with the, you know, election interference, 
all a person has to do is literally take one hour of their life and listen to that phone call that Donald Trump had with those people. It is nothing like the media has represented it. But if you ask the average person who didn't listen to that phone call, they'd say, oh, he was calling and he was he was in, uh, threatening and intimidating legislators in Georgia and trying to get them to find votes for him and trying to get the that's not what happened at all right. in this phone call. No, no. But now like a man's freedom is at stake over these. Well, lines. and his company and everything else. Again, it gets back to the this idea in the first case, Alvin Bragg, right? He brings something that has completely blown past the statute of limitations. And I've asked this over and over again. I don't get it. That's the point of a statute of limitations. It says right. the crime must be prosecuted or adjudicated before X year, you know, one year, three year, five years. It's and and uh, you know, it was a misdemeanor what he did, and yet Alvin Bragg makes it to a felony. Well, how? Well, it doesn't matter because it's Trump, right? And and you go through each of these cases, whether it's the Fannie Willis one down in Georgia, the Jack Smith one here, or the one that we're seeing in New York on on the civil charges in terms of his company. Again, Mar-a-Lago was the greatest jump the shark moment in that case where they valued $18 million. You can't buy a bathhouse in that area of Palm Beach for $18 million. And yet, again, to your point about telling the average person what happens, they go, oh, well, wait a second. Let's actually peel back the onion more on that case. Uh, he got loans. He paid the loans off. The banks are happy. They got their money. They're not crying foul. No, there is no victim in this. And yet, Letitia James, again, from something that happened years ago, is going after him. Why? Not because there's no crime in New York City or New York State, but because it is Donald Trump and they're going after him. So each case I think you're right. The problem is, is that if you only hear the headline from CNN, the Washington Post, then you think, my goodness, this is horrible. But once you peel back the onion and actually listen to the underlying audio, video, or transcripts, you go, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. Well, and when when you look at the way that our, our judicial system has become corrupted and weaponized in so many ways, I mean, it should be disqualifying as far as I'm concerned right out of the gate. If you are a, uh, a DA, you know, a prosecutor who campaigned on going after Trump <laughs> and then and then got into office and right. found something incredibly flimsy to go after him on. And I mean, on, in the case of Bragg, I mean, there were numerous prosecutors before him who said, there's no case here. There's right. just nothing here. And then somehow not only did he find a case, but he found a felony case where they couldn't even find a misdemeanor case before that. Right. Exactly. So I want to get back to you for a second. You obviously have this personal transition uh, going from left to right. When did you go, okay, this is me, but I, there's something more here and I want to launch this walkaway campaign. Well, like I said, I mean, a lot of it had to do with the revelation that, well, first it started with the revolution, uh, revelation that the media that I had been trusting was lying. And it wasn't just one example. It wasn't just a disabled reporter. I mean, I really fell down a rabbit hole for many, many months of going back to the beginning of Donald Trump's campaign and revisiting a lot of these key moments. You know, did he really call all Mexicans rapists? Uh, you know, does he really advocate for uh, a Muslim ban? You know, things like this. And then realizing time and again that no, this was some sort of lie and exploitation from the media completely taking a moment out of context and, and manipulating. And then I started to see very clearly the way that that very quality was being exploited tenfold against minorities. And that made me very, very angry because again, as a gay man and as somebody who was on kind of the fighting lines of a lot of these social issues, I started to see that a lot of the, the time and energy that I had spent dedicated to fighting these social issues was, I didn't even have the cause right in the first place 
because it was almost like I was fighting a boogeyman or a ghost that had been completely made up by the left-wing media and a lot of these, what I call the oppression industry, you know, organizations like the NAACP or the Human Rights Campaign, these kind of social justice organizations that are basically designed to enrich the people who work for them by lying to people about these social issues that oftentimes are not even real. And that's when I realized I really wanted to do something about it because my intention was actually good. I, I wanted to do something kind of altruistic thinking, you know, this will be very helpful because there's a lot of black and brown and LGBT people who are very scared and are feeling uh, very concerned about their place in this country and and what is going to happen to them under a Trump regime. And so I wanted to do something that kind of woke people up to like, look, you don't have to be afraid. You're being lied to. The media is lying to us. And so I, I put out a six minute video where I talked about all the reasons why I was walking away from the left, which went incredibly viral. And I launched a Facebook group called hashtag walkaway campaign, encouraging other people who were feeling the same way I was feeling to share their stories, make videos, contribute uh, a testimonial talking about why they're leaving the left. And over the course of the next two and a half years, it just exploded. Um, we grew to over 511,000 people in that Facebook group. Uh, we had tens of thousands of videos and written uh, testimonials from people leaving the left. Uh, and then on January 8th of 2021, Facebook just banned the walkaway campaign on the same day that they banned President Trump and hundreds of thousands of other conservative accounts. And just like that, all of that 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 information, that data, the videos, everything was was gone. All right, if you're a longtime watcher of the show, you know about my friend Leo Grillo and all the great work that Delta Rescue does. Uh, he's the founder of it. DeltaRescue.org has got a ton of videos on it where it shows you why it is the largest no-kill sanctuary in the world. Notice I didn't say shelter. They're not there to place people, dogs and animals that have been abandoned. No, they're there to care for them for life. It's a no-kill sanctuary. And if you're an animal lover, you are going to love the work that Leo has done. He started on this journey when he rescued a Doberman. He named the Doberman Delta. Delta stands for dedication and everlasting love to animals. And that's what Leo Grillo has been all about. If you're like Leo, like me, an animal lover, uh, and you go to deltarescue.org and see the great work that they're doing, you can help them out. They rely entirely on our contributions, five, 10, 100 bucks, whatever you can do. But more importantly, if we want to make this an enduring mission, Look at that estate planning guide that they've got on there. Download it. See if you can help make sure that we protect the work that Leo and Delta Rescue is doing when you pass to make sure that part of your estate goes to Delta Rescue. Again, go to deltarescue.org to help out. By the way, when, you, when, when these people were submitting testimonials and videos, was there a common thread or was it various reasons? Various reasons, but the common thread was betrayal. So the circumstances might have been different from story to story. It might have been a black person realizing that they were being exploited uh, as being uh, for being a black person. It might have been an old, you know, one I'll never forget was we got a testimonial from like, an, I think she was 93 year old white woman who told us that she had been uh, vol volunteering for the Democrat Party since she was 13 years old, that this was her whole life. And she told us that what she had witnessed with the Kavanaugh hearings and the way what the Democrats were doing to Brett Kavanaugh, she said, I, I see so clearly this is not the Democrat Party that I once loved. And that caused her to walk away. But it, it, the common thread in every story, despite the circumstances being different, was that everybody felt in one way or another betrayed by the party or the media that they once trusted. So you mentioned that 
this Facebook page gets wiped out January 8th, 2021. Where does it stand right now? I know you guys just celebrated your fifth anniversary. Like where, where are people engaging or how are they engaging? So we ended up launching our own app that we call Walkaway Social. And we have tens of thousands of people who have joined Walkaway Social. Um, and, you know, it's the growth of the app is much slower than the Facebook group. And it has made us realize that we may, in fact, have to bite the bullet and launch a new Facebook group because we're going into obviously a very important year and we just need to be everywhere and we need to be growing, uh, you know, a, as much as we possibly can in this period of time. But for the time being, uh, people can join our app, hashtag Walkaway Social. And even if you're a lifelong Republican, you you know, even if you're, uh, you've always been conservative, get on the app, share the stories, engage. Uh, you can be what we call in the movement, a hashtag walk with, which are people who support the movement, uh, support what we're doing. But we haven't stopped doing, um, in addition to the social media aspect, we do live events. Uh, we go into the black community, Hispanic, LGBT, minority communities. We go into college campuses. We do marches, rallies. We do live debates. We do town halls. Um, so we're always running around doing stuff and, and we're going to continue to do lots of events next year. And you're right. We just celebrated our fifth anniversary in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, a few weeks ago. It was an amazing, it was a weekend long event. Um, and we had uh, Laura Trump, Carrie Lake, Matt Mercedes Schlapp, uh, Rudy Giuliani, uh, lots of people who've been supporters of our movement and, and many, many more. Um, so we're never going to stop, uh, but they, they they've tried as hard as they could to take us out. And that, that's a that's a pretty nice lineup, right? I mean, that's yeah. so what it, what is the goal? Is it just to get them together in a platform and say, hey, um, we have some people that you have a common bond with? Is it to get them mobilized and registered or out to vote for Trump or the Republican Party? What do you want people to do once they identify with the cause? That's a great question. So one of the reasons why Walkaway has been so successful from the beginning is that I basically kind of replicated the formula of what caused me to walk away and caused me to have my experience of leaving the left because it's a really big deal and people may not realize that, but leaving the left is quite literally very similar to leaving a cult. You're going to lose, <laughs> you're, you're going to lose almost all of your friends. You're going to lose uh, your problem. You could very well lose your job. Uh, you you could very well lose family members. I mean, like I said, we had tens of thousands of videos and, we heard from people who lost their parents, parents who lost their children or their grandchildren, uh, people who lost their relationships with their sisters and brothers, uh, spouses, uh, divorces uh, for, for people because they couldn't any longer be a part of the lies uh, of the left. And so what we do is uh, the reason why we've been so successful is we don't tell people leave the left and become a Republican or walk away from the Democratic Party and vote for Trump. That's, it's not what we do. What we say is walk away is a journey, not a destination. And what we mean by that is, this is your own journey of exploration. We want people to think for themselves, do their own homework, do their own research, look for the, the truth between the lies of the left-wing media. We're here to provide a community of support for people as they leave the left. Where they go is, up to any person and we're going to support whatever decision they make if they want to be an independent a libertarian a republican if they love trump if they don't love trump we don't really care but one thing we do say is that if you are the republican party or if you are say the trump campaign or or whatever it would be a great idea to connect with our organization because we've got thousands hundreds of thousands of people who are are, are ripe for people going in there and saying like, Hey, what a great choice you made to walk away. Here's why we would love to have you on our team. 
you know, a lot of people do find their way to the Republican Party or Trump, but it's it's not mandated by our organization. And that freedom is why we've been successful at getting people to leave. So you mentioned a bunch of big names, Laura Trump, Rudy Giuliani, et cetera, Carrie Lake. Um, how do you guys financially get support? And is there, are there groups, are there individuals that have been particularly helpful? So we definitely encourage people at a grassroots level to support the organization. We have a 501c3 called the Walkaway Foundation. Uh, people can find that at walkawayfoundation.org. Um, right now, we're basically running a campaign saying that we're trying to get 10,000 patriots to give $5 a month for the next year or 5,000 patriots to give $10 a month for the next year. You know, we got hit really hard after January 6th. And I, you know, it's probably not time today, but they came after me. I was on Capitol grounds, didn't go inside the building, didn't hurt anybody, didn't you know engage in any violence of any kind. But I was outside of the building shooting a video and the FBI rounded me up, put me in jail. And because I was arrested, Walkaway, who wasn't even involved, or, you know, for, wasn't there on January 6th, they, uh, they banned us from our donor portals, our, our PayPal, Venmo, Stripe, email services. We had to rebuild everything. So, you know, for anybody- but just to be clear, I just want to go back to like, just so the audience understands, you, you never entered the Capitol building. Did you engage with law enforcement in any way? No, not in any and way. So, so wait, well, just to, so people understand that, because I've heard a few of these stories, how does this go down? You go there where you, I know that there were two issues. There was the Capitol and then there was the ellipse where Trump had spoken. What, where were you and how did law enforcement follow up with you? So both, I was at the ellipse watching President Trump speak. And then I was actually a scheduled speaker along with do dozens of other people for a second event at the Capitol. The, the, the event was actually called the March to Save America. And the plan was always for people to march from the ellipse to the Capitol where there was gonna be a second event at the Capitol where dozens of people were gonna speak. And so I was on my way to the Capitol when I started getting text messages from people I knew who were at home watching on television saying, you know, we're hearing on the news that people are going inside the building Building, you know, whatever. So I'm approaching the Capitol from the east side and I started shooting a video and I just continued. And it was late, by the way, I got there at like 240. So the, the videos that you've seen, which by the way, are on the west side of the building of people, uh, you know, struggling with police officers and breaking windows and that that had happened before I got there. And on the opposite side of the building, I was approaching from the east side. And when I got there, all of the barricades were fully open. There were zero police officers on the east side grounds, zero, not one. So there were literally just thousands and thousands of people scattered around on the east side outside of the building. And I just walked into this crowd of people. And when I got there on the video that I'm shooting, you see a man at the top of the stairs. There's people all over the stairs. And there's a man at the top shouting, they opened the doors, they're letting us in, we're going inside, we're going inside. So I walked up to the top of the stairs and when I got there, sure enough, both doors were open and there was a crowd of several hundred people. Some of them were trying to push their way in. The majority like me were shooting a video and I shot a video for eight minutes and then a man came out of the building, got on a bullhorn and he said, they've cleared Congress. Uh, everybody move out, move out. And I immediately turned around and I left and I uploaded my video to Twitter. So and when, what does the FBI say? I mean, so how does that manifest itself into a, an arrest? Right. So two and a half weeks later, the FBI raids my apartment, gets me out of jail or gets me out of bed uh, and puts me in handcuffs and tells me I'm facing multiple felonies for what I did on January 6th. And I said, what did I do? I don't know what you're talking about. They said, so 
long story short, I, I went to jail. And when I got out of jail, I learned that I was being charged with one, a felony for occupying restricted grounds. So in other words, a trespassing felony for being on the grounds of the Capitol with thousands of other people. But then another felony that they charged me with was called impeding law enforcement in the law line of duty. And I said to my attorney, what is this? What are they talking about? My attorney says to me, well, they're in your video. There's one moment that lasts about 30 seconds. Remember, there's hundreds of people around. Right. There's one moment where one, one officer comes out of the Capitol and he's holding his plastic shield over his head. And this is about 35 feet in front of me. A couple of people grab his shield out of his hand. And then you hear people chanting, take it, take it, take the shield, take the shield. And then they give the shield back to him. He said, well, the FBI is saying that you were one of the people shouting. So they charged you with a felony for impeding law enforcement for allegedly shouting about this shield. Which, and, by uh, the way, I mean, I don't know how shouting is a crime, but. You tell me. But the thing then, that's so interesting is I, I know, and I, just so people understand, you've, you've gone out and debated people who were involved in, in BLM, uh, that whole Black Lives Matter that literally vandalized, destroyed, rioted through cities, businesses destroyed, public property destroyed. I want, I want to show a, a, a clip to the audience of a video between you and one of these BLM activists where you debated the facts that are going on with this. So let's just take a moment and look at that. I may not look like you, Taisha, but I'm just gonna give you some numbers and numbers have no color, they don't lie. So why don't we start with the fact that there are 328 million people in America. There are 41.4 million black people in America, which is 12.6% of the population. Yet 12.6% of the population is committing more than 50% of violent crime in this country. Nine unarmed black men were killed by police in 2019. Nine unarmed. Now, unarmed doesn't mean innocent. Unarmed doesn't mean not a threat. So last year, 0.000022% of the black population was an unarmed black person killed by the police. That is why we are burning America to the ground. That is why we are cre uh, creating this false narrative of black people being attacked by police based off of 0.000022% of the black population. This represents 0.1% of all black homicides in the entire year of 2019. A police officer is 18.5 times more likely to be killed by a black man than a black man is to be killed by a police officer. The number of unarmed black Americans killed by police is down 23% since 2015 when Barack Obama was the president. And 93% of black homicides are committed by other black Americans. So if you truly care about black lives, I suggest you get to Chicago because every weekend dozens of black people are being killed by other black people. All right, the thing that I thought was interesting there is that like you literally methodically just break down the reality of what's happening, the facts, the, the here are the, the statistics, numbers. the yep. numbers. And I, I kind of th look at that and go, same thing that we were talking about before with the media, you never hear that. You never hear about any of those people being arrested. You never hear about the actual statistics. I mean, you literally said 0. .00002 interactions with police where it ended up that a black person was killed by him. That's not the narrative that the media pushes. Right. Well, and, and that's, you know, obviously I'm incredibly sensitive to January 6th because of what I've gone through. But if you were to listen to the media and a lot of, you know, talking heads on the left and, and you know, Democrats in Congress, what you're going to hear is that, you know, the, the, the lies about the 2020 election uh, inflame the senses of these people and cause these people to have this violent episode and this can't be allowed and Trump needs to be punished and the people need to be punished and everyone needs to be punished. And I'm sitting there going, 
you guys went on TV every night and told black people that they're not safe uh, to walk down the street without getting shot by a police officer when we actually have numbers and statistics that show that it almost never happens. A black person is more likely to get struck by lightning while being attacked by a bear than they are to be killed by a police officer. But you're reinforcing that belief and actually causing looting, burning, shooting, killing, uh, neighborhoods to be burned to the ground. Like that narrative caused these things to happen day after day after day, and they don't care. But they want to see Trump behind bars because Trump said that the 2020 election was stolen. And apparently, in theory, that's why violence happened on January 6th. And we have to treat the violence of January 6th as something completely different than the violence of 2020, which was actually much more deadly, much more violent, and much more destructive than anything that happened on January 6th. Yeah, not only that, right? So A, you've got the media perpetuating this myth that they're under attack all the time. But secondly, this idea of peaceful protest, right? I mean, that they didn't do anything wrong, that this was justified, that Fauci says, it's okay, you won't get COVID if you're doing that activity. I mean, they literally covered for that. I had an office when I worked uh, previously at my last show that was literally you know, half a block from Black Lives Matter. I mean, the amount of destruction, the businesses that were destroyed or vandalized, the number of people that were hurt or pushed out. You had David Dorn, the former police captain that was killed. And yet we never hear a narrative about that being bad or how many people were prosecuted or what they faced. Never. No. Or, I mean, or by the way, how um, how corrupt BLM as an organization is and what they're really doing with the money. Right. We just we just never talk about those things anymore. But for some reason, we're expected to live in this parallel universe, this twilight zone where see and they don't draw these distinctions about January 6th. For instance, I Google my name and what you're going to find is that I'm a MAGA rioter, a MAGA insurrectionist, a domestic terrorist. Uh, Some articles will even say that I'm a white supremacist who was calling for a civil war. But none of them bother to mention that I, I wasn't even accused of violence. Uh, see, that's, that's by the way, that's the interesting thing. I always bring this up with the Trump being taken off the ballot for being part of an insurrection. And I go, okay, well, not only has Trump not been accused of, uh, of being in or causing or being part of an insurrection, but no one has. They will never. And if no one has committed an insurrection, how can you take someone off a ballot who has not done that, right? I mean, that's, again, this is a perpetual, we're going to use whatever words we have to, to make you think that Trump is bad, that he's committed all of these things that uh, think bad things have happened. And yet, again, when people protest uh, somehow under the guise of racial justice, well, that's not looting. It's not violence. It's okay, because it's for what I always say is a greater good. That's what the left perpetuates. Right. And and why is it that the, that the media, the left wing media can literally stand in front of burning buildings and say that this is mostly peaceful protests that they're witnessing, yeah. but they're not able or willing to draw any lines of distinction for anybody. It's like yeah. if you threw a gum wrapper on the ground on January 6th and got a citation for littering, they're going to report that you were a part of the insurrection and that right. you had a role in the insurrection. They're not going to say, well, look, you know, some people were just trespassing. No, they don't, that's not, that's not part of it. They don't want right. that. Brandon, uh, I appreciate you telling your story, not only that, but also what you're doing to, to expose the lies. There's a, you, you methodically break it down in a way that I think exposes what the left is at. I appreciate you joining Thank us you. to share the story with us, uh, and continue to get out there and, and push on this. So it's, it takes people willing to do that. And I think you're right about the consequences of this. If you're going to go out and do that, understand 
The left doesn't want you to, to expose this, but it's the right thing to do. Too much is at stake. Right. I appreciate you being with us. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thanks for being part of a great discussion with us. Continue to subscribe. Hit that notification button on YouTube and Rumble. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give us a five-star review. We'll be back here tomorrow on The Sean Spicer Show.